Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Six weeks. Lights, let's get some light. All right, six weeks. Um, so we got to have a little bit of fun. Can we bring up a little of the lights in the house a little bit? Uh, there we go. Just a little bit of fun. I, I don't know if anybody knows. Um, I, Dave, we may need your help, bro. Um, I uh, DJed in college. I did. Um, that's how I made my money. I'm serious. I DJed for uh, Grandmaster Flash, Flash and the Furious Five. Yeah, I did. I was Spoonie G's personal DJ. My wife is so embarrassed right now. You know what my DJ nickname was? High C, baby. It's it. It's my, my daughter. And my, my wife is in the lobby, I'm sure, right now. If she wasn't, she will be soon. Uh, so I started thinking, what would the sound... Oh, she's there? Oh, gosh, she's shaking her head. Hey, babe. She's in green today. She has a whole new wardrobe. Um, but uh, I got to thinking, what would the soundtrack for the colors be? So I just want to have a little fun. Um, blues, don't run for the door. Please don't. Seriously, I'm going to respect you in a minute, but I'm going to let all my yellows get the party started. Boy, what would the soundtrack be for the, for the yellows? Come on, yellows. Don't be shy now. Oh, come on. There we go, Jacqueline. A lot of room down here. This is us. Oh, yeah. See, yellows are easy. I get a little bit blues. Don't be terrified. It'll be over in a minute. I promise. All right, party over here. Oh, I see you. I, my people. My people. This is so stimulating. All right, all right, boys. We got that. We got that. We got that. All right. Give a yellow a high five if you're sitting by yellow. Fun. We like we like attention. We like attention. We're big kids. Tell us you approve of our dancing. Just lie. Um, now, Reds, 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 we got to give you a chance. Um, I want you to take control. I want you to provide order. I want you to know you get, this is your time to get up and tell the rest of us what's wrong with us. What would that soundtrack sound like, Boyd? Come on, Reds. Just point at us a little bit. Just give a little attitude, Reds. Give us some attitude. A little attitude. Oh, the Reds are coming down the aisle. I'm Just point your finger at us. Come on. We got to break it down. Uh-oh. Oh, Lord. This is intimidating. Okay, well, no, wait. Hold on, I want you to give us a little. Just point your finger, tell them. All I need is a little. All right. All right. All right. Hey, man, I was... See, the red would have done that. You'd have turned it off. We had to get the queen of soul. 
Okay, greens. Now we're going to feel the love. We just had the yellows lose their mind. The reds try to bring control. We got a border war. Green, get us all back together. Come on, green. Love a green. Give a green a hug. Don't hug a blue. Don't hug a blue. Give a green a hug. Tell them thank you for being with us. Thank you. We need you. You're redeeming us all. The greens are. Oh, I feel the love. Green, there's harmony. We're getting along. There's no reds and greens are hugging. and help me with the sound guy. No, I'm going to He got so into it there back there. I looked at the whole tech team. We are the world. We are the chill. It's a beautiful thing. All right, Blues, let's get quiet. No, no, no. We're going to respect you. We're going to think with you. You're safe. We're safe. You're safe. Yellows, calm down. I feel your energy. Yes, it's the saddest experience you'll ever know. Because one is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. One is the loneliest number That's it. I'm here all week. All right. Hey, that was fun. Um, Blues, you okay? All right, I promise. Uh, All right. Isn't it good um, that we can be that different and yet be together? It's a beautiful thing. I love this church for our commitment to be together. Not always agree on everything, um, but to agree on one another's hearts. So I said this, you heard that. We've been in a series... Jesus said this, you heard that. We're wrapping it up today, and we've been looking at hard sayings of Jesus. Saying, you know, Jesus said some hard things. Why did he do that, right? I got to thinking, maybe he did it to get our attention. Well, you know, Jesus was so kind, he was so caring, he was so grace-based, he he was a friend of sinners. They, They told him, you're a friend of sinners. He took that as a compliment. Like, you know, he was so grace and graceful and compassionate, but once in a while he'd lob a missile in there. Maybe it's to get our attention. Anybody know what current, uh, the National uh, Center for Biotechnology, they, one of the things they measure is humans' attention span? Anybody know what the attention span of a human is right now? Five minutes? Five minutes? 
20, 60 seconds, 20 seconds. In 1990, when I was in seminary, they taught us, at that time, this center had said, a human attention span was one minute, 60 seconds. So he said, as preachers, as speakers, we had 60 seconds to get people's attention. And we were trained that way, and that's why commercials back then were about 60 seconds long. Before 2000, the attention span of humans had dropped to 30 seconds. And that's why people paid $6 million for 30-second ads at the Super Bowl. Anybody notice now, if you watch the NFL today or other things, that the game's going on, there's a new little advertisement that comes on, it's only there for like 10 seconds? Because the National Center of um, uh, Biotechnology has decided in 2015, in 2000, the attention span of humans was down to 12 seconds. And in 2015, they decide it's 8.5 seconds. Goldfish have an attention span of nine seconds. Seriously, they have more attention span than we do. So maybe Jesus was using some tough words and some tough sayings because he was trying to get us to pay attention. It's so hard for human beings for us to get their attention. So he said a couple hard sayings that when I was growing up, and that's why I wanted to end this series with these sayings about mountains and mulberry trees, because these sayings really confused me. Here's the first one. Uh, Jesus was traveling with his disciples. He was teaching them. Um, and then he, his tech team said, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Jesus said, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to you, this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it'll be yours. And then the second one comes from Luke, and Jesus replied to his disciples, said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and plant in the sea, and it will obey you. Those passages, I heard those when I was eight years old. And I tell you, it did something to me. In fact, um, that I hadn't gotten over, I've never preached on these passages until 50 years later uh, because of it. And that was, I went home from church one day and I went in my backyard and I tried this. I did. We had a big tree I used to climb in the backyard and I just wanted to try. And I said, God, I believe in you. I really believe in you. I have faith. Then I, I went you know, Yoda on my tree. True story. And for 20 minutes, I tried to uproot that tree. And it didn't work. And the only thing in my eight-year-old mind that I could figure out was I didn't have enough faith. And so my curse in my life is always, Chip, you could have done better. Right? Yellows, we're never sure we're doing it all right. That's why we're so garish on the outside. And something about these verses, I mean, I know the good is in them, but struck me like, wow, man, I just must not have enough faith. I don't have these superpowers. And so here, all these years later, and I got to believe God was giggling that day, but all these years later, I, for the last several weeks, I've been digging down deep in these things, and three things jumped out of me. First, you know, maybe Jesus didn't, everything he said, he didn't say for us to take literally. Jesus used parables when he taught, if you know about that. He told stories. He was yellow. No, I'm kidding. Um, he told stories, but he, he would use images. He would use metaphors right? When he talked about the kingdom of God, what's the kingdom of God like? It's like a guy had an ordinary field, but he found buried treasure. And he gave away everything he had just to have that field. It was like a merchant. He dealt with pearls and he went to the place and he found the pearl of all pearls. And he gave up everything he had with joy to have that one pearl. That's what the kingdom of heaven's like. 
What's God's love for us like? Oh, it's like a, a shepherd who loses one sheep and insanely leaves his cash crop, his 99, to go find that one who's lost. It's like a father who has two lost sons, and he's willing to humiliate himself on both of his sons' behalf to go to be with him. See, those weren't literal stories. They were stories. So I got to thinking, Jesus is probably using a metaphor here. He's probably not saying, Chip, go in the backyard and cast out your tree. Like, you know, I didn't say these things to make you part of the Avengers, right? That there's something deep in here I want you to look at. And that's the second thing that struck me when I was going through this. Like, you know, I thought that eight, my eight-year-old mind, that was so amazing. What's so amazing about moving mountains and uprooting trees? I mean, how many mountains have we moved? We have the technology for that. Enough blasting powder, enough heavy equipment. We've built roads through mountains, haven't we? Tunnels. We've leveled some mountains to build resorts. Like, we can do that. Uh, what about uprooting trees? We've uprooted so many trees in our planet that we put our whole planet in danger. Like, we have the tech, we can do this. And I got to think, why was I so straight? Man, and Jesus said, you have to have faith in God to do this. He said, you have to have supernatural faith. We don't have to have supernatural faith to move mountains or uproot trees. Human beings have learned to do that. So what was he talking about? And I had to dig in deeper with these passages, and I found out a common thread. Do you know in both of these passages, there's a common thread? Let me read it for you. It says, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea, doesn't doubt in their heart, believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them, right? Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. That's why I read, right? What's the very next line? Very next line is, but woe to anyone through whom they come. If you're... Bu- I'm trying. Wow, that was, that was like my deepest fear. <laughs> I really almost spoke in tongues. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I couldn't keep up with it. Um, it'll be yours. Watch. Next line. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. Huh. Now I go back to the Luke, right? In the Luke's gospel, Luke is teaching. Um, I'm afraid what's going to happen next. Okay. <laughs> Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It'd be barefoot. We've read all this. Keep going. If your brother, but then it says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them, even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you saying, repent, you must forgive them. Both passages that he's talking about moving mountains and moving mulberry trees are about forgiveness. And I got to thinking, I need supernatural faith to move mountains of hate and to uproot trees of bitterness. Now I get it. That I need help with. Because you, you know, we can't blast our way into forgiveness, right? We can't blast out mountains of hate. They're trying to do that again in Syria right now. They're trying to blow up hate, right? How is that working out for us? You know, we've tried this for centuries. No, we need something different. We need, we need supernatural help. And so I, how do I move mountains and, and uproot trees in my life? This isn't an all society. This is for me, right? We, forgiveness is one of our core values, but I'm talking about how it operates in your life and my life, right? I need help. In fact, that's why if you read when Jesus is teaching on this, this teaching is so radical 
that the disciples yell at him. Did you hear it? They said, increase our faith. See, they were, they were insulting Jesus. Now you say, well, where's that? Look, when you kind of contradict the king of the universe, the God of creation, you got to be a little indirect, right? And when they're saying, increase our faith, you know what they're saying to him? You haven't given us enough faith for this. We don't, we don't, you're, you're, you're taking us to PhD class and we're in the ninth grade. And Jesus said, you do have it. Even if you have it as small as a mustard seed, you have what you need to do this. And so as uncomfortable as this is going to make you, I want to talk about moving these mountains, uprooting these trees through forgiveness. And forgiveness, I want to say a forgiving spirit. Why do we need it, right? How does it operate and how do we get it? So first off, a forgiving spirit. Why? Why do we need it? It's very interesting. I was reading this in Luke, and Luke is talking about don't let anything stumble. Don't you cause chaos. Don't you be speed bumps in people's lives. And then he says, watch yourselves. So he said, like I thought that was a, a 90s thing. Watch yourself. Jesus said back in the first century. He said, watch yourself. And then he says, if your brother or sister for, you know, uh, sins against you, hurts you, repent. Very interesting. Because if somebody hurts us and does wrong to us, what is our initial thought? Get back. Get back at who? At them. See, when we've been hurt, what do we think about? We think about them. We think about the one who wronged us. Here's what Jesus says. When you've been hurt, watch yourself. Look at yourself. Don't look at that. Look at you. Because you are at great risk right now. Something can happen to you right now. In fact, the Bible says Satan was attempting Jesus, and then he departed until an opportune time. Now's the opportune time. Watch yourself. Very, very interesting. I've never heard a psychologist even say this. You've been hurt. Look at yourself. Put the brakes on. Tap, tap them. Quickly. Your life's at stake. And I thought, wow, what is that? And then I read Hebrews, and I love this one of my go-to verses. In Hebrews 12, um, it says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that what? No root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and through it many become defiled. Jesus is saying, you are in a very vulnerable place right now for wrath and anger to take root in your heart. And if it takes root in your heart, slowly but surely, it will work evil against you. In fact, I love, I was just studying on the word wrath, right? The word wrath for anger that the Bible used, that's an old Anglo-Saxon word. And you know, from the word wrath, we get this word. We get the word wreath. That's where it comes from. What is a wreath? What is it? A wreath means to be twisted, right? We twist up sticks and we make wreaths. And, and so wrath can get in us, and if it's unattended to us, and it takes root in us, it can twist us, it can distort us, it can take us out of our natural shape, right? And I learned that out of wrath, we get wreath, and we also get a real old word. This word is wraith, W-R-A-I-T-H. Anybody know what that means? Halloween, ghost. It's an old word for ghost. And what it's saying, if your wrath gets enrooted in you and it twists you and distorts you, then you will become like a wraith. And what are ghosts? Ghost legends say are spirits that had something wrong done to them and they cannot rest and they continue to walk the halls and they're haunted and they're stuck in the past. 
boy, did the people who made these words know what they were talking about. Because if this gets at work in our lives, we get twisted, we get distorted, and before you know it, we're walking the halls. And we can't get out of our past. And we're stuck in what happened to us. I remember I was thinking about this, it's so corny. The, the first date I ever took my wife on, um, you know, it, it, you know, we had met, and I fell in love first sight, so I was already done. Um, but we actually then had a date, a formal date, so I invited her to my house, I cooked for her. Come on, yellows, come on. Yeah, first date, I cooked. You know, I'm not going to take you to the restaurant, I cooked. And then I said, let's go to a movie, you know, go out to the movie. We went and saw this stupid movie. Uh, um, it was called High Spirits. Don't, I, I, I ordered it on Voodoo at our, at our anniversary because I just want to reminisce and go back and look at the movie. For, that's the dumbest movie. I'm amazed I got a second date. I am sorry. Um, it's an old movie. It's with uh, Steve Gutenberg and uh, Liam Neeson, I think, was his first movie. And Daryl Hannah was a big star. And there was this castle. It was this castle. And they, they were trying to make money. So the people were trying to make it haunted. And they were so corny at it. But there, it really was haunted. <laughs> And Liam Neeson was an was a old royalty of Daryl Hannah was his wife, and he had murdered her in this castle. And like every night at a certain time, they would appear, and he's chasing her down. They'd go through the murder scene every night. It would happen over and over until suddenly love entered and it distinguished it. And I got to thinking, that, that's, that's becoming a wraith. We've been hurt, we've been wounded, and we're stuck. And that story plays over and over and over again, and Jesus says, if you don't pour down deliberate forgiveness into the wrong that's been done to you, it's going to twist you. It's going to distort you. It's going to, it's going to mess you up in ways you don't know. And through you, everything else will be defiled. So if your parents hurt you and you can't forgive them, studies have said you're going to have difficulty with authority figures and that that's going to affect your parenting and you're going to be twisted in how you raise your kids. If you were in a romantic relationship, somebody broke up with you, and you can't get over that, you can't forgive that. Not the unhurt in your life, you're going to struggle with other relationships. It's all been true. It's going, to, it's going to defile you, right? And if you're not careful, slowly and slowly it'll get in your heart, and here's what will happen. The evil that was done to you will make you into its own image. Wow, and you'll be stuck. So we need, that's the why we need it. So how do we do it? How's the inward, here's the modus operandi. You guys are going to hate this. Trust me, you're going to hate it. But it's my job to make you hate. No, it's, I don't know. I want to make you feel better. I'm a yellow butt. Hey, a forgiving spirit, how does it operate? Three things. Here's the first one. You have to identify with the person that wronged you. You have to identify with them, right? Because when somebody wrongs us, here's what we do we immediately think of how different they are from us. You ever notice that? They are so different. They're, they're so, I, we, here's what we say, I'd never do that, wow. right? Which is a lie, Come on. okay? But when somebody hurts us, we think, have you ever been to a cartoonist at like an amusement park, they draw you? Do you ever know that? Do you ever notice they exaggerate certain features about you? Like, I got a big nose, I know it. I got a freed nose. But every time we've done one of those cartoonists, it's like six times bigger. <laughs> Have you ever seen him draw Will Smith? Like his ears are like flying saucers, right? Like they take something about you and exaggerate it. Do you know that's exactly what we do when we've been hurt? We make caricatures of people. That's why, that's why enemies in war and everything, in World War II, who were they fighting? The Krauts, the Japs. 
We have all these ways to caricature people because then they're one-dimensional. Then we can go kill them because they're not really people. And we do that all the time. People of color have dealt with that, with white supremacy through the years. Caricatured, right? We see it today to influence policy. They're all thugs. They're all rapists. They're all terrorists. They're all jihadists. We turn people into one-dimensional figures. And when you've been hurt, don't lie. You tend to do that with the person that hurt you. And if they lied to you, you know what you say? They're a liar. They're a liar. And somebody comes up to you and says, well, do you ever lie? Well, it's complicated. <laughs> I'm a mixture of good and bad. And, right, but not them. Cut and dry. Here's what Mirsaw Wolf said. If you remember anything, remember this quote. He said one time, he said, no, not that. He didn't say that. Jesus said that. He said, forgiveness flounders. Forgiveness flounders when I exclude the enemy from the community of humans and I exclude myself from the community of sinners. Wow. I want that to stick in with you. We, it flounders when we put that enemy, that person that hurts, they're not even in the human community anymore and we forget that I'm not in the community. I think I'm not in the community of sinners. But when I look at them and say, you know, they're, I'm imperfect, they're imperfect. I do bad things, they did bad. We start identifying them we can start dealing with that root, okay? Secondly, here's the second point. You're going to hate this. Identify with the wrongdoer and inwardly pay the debt of the person that wronged you. See, for, forgiveness, every time, that's why we talk about in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts, right, as we forgive those. Because the word forgive in that day and age was usually used in terms of economics. There was a debt. Now, how many know when somebody hurts you, there's a debt, there's been pain. There's been hurt. There's emotional loss. And somebody needs to pay that debt. And who do we want to pay it? Them. And what is the currency? Pain. Right? Because we've been hurt. We want them to be hurt. And only when they're in pain is our debt begun to pay down. And we can do this different ways. We could go after them. We can yell and scream at them and make them feel small. Right? Or we can do it in less direct ways. We can, we can not do that, but, but privately, we slice them up through gossip and slander. And here's what us good people do. We say, well, I don't want to gossip, but I, I just want you to understand. You know, we do it under the guise of warning people about them. Come on, or even the worst way, just inwardly, we don't say anything, but inside we are pulling for their defeat. Wow. And we're hoping that it happens. And we actually feel glad when something happens to them. Wow. Right? And let me tell you something. That will make you feel better. But it will twist you. Right. And it will distort you. And it will turn you into a wreath. And before long you'll be a wraith. And you'll be walking the halls. So what's the option? The option is, the alternative to that, is you absorb that debt. You pay it. You say, well, Chip, what does that look like? On the outside, pursue justice, believe me. Maybe there's been a legal debt. Pursue justice, seek that. But I'm talking on the inside. You have to start paying down the debt yourself. And so how do you do that? When you want to yell at them, when you want to ream them out, you don't. And it hurts. And when you have the opportunity to slice them up and ruin their reputation, and even in the guise of, oh, I'm just trying to tell you how they are, Right? You don't do it. And, then, and when you have opportunities, like in your heart, you really want, to per, you, want, you want bad to come, but instead you pray for them. Let me tell you, friends, that's going to hurt. But you know what? 
If you do it long enough, you'll find out by not pouring fuel on that fire, your anger starts to go away. And you won't be twisted. It'll hurt. Let me tell you, it'll hurt bad when you do it. But you'll be free. Right? And when that happens, then the mountains can start to move. And then the third thing can happen. If you do those two, the third one can happen. It's going to come. They're going backwards. Come back. See, I was talking about high spirits. we got spirits in our technology. Here we go. No, that's not it either. Okay. We're there. Love them. Love them. Pray for them. Here we go. Identify with the wrongdoer. Inwardly, you pay that debt. And finally, you seek the good for the wrongdoer. See, that's actually a test if you've done these two. Because if you can't do this, you've got to go back and work on these. But when you can actually seek the good. See, when we go after people and we want to get even, you know what we're after? Vengeance. You know, vengeance is selfish. Vengeance is not about God. It's not about love. It's not about justice. It's about you. Because you ever notice in vengeance, you always want a little bit more? If they cut off two of your fingers, you want both of their hands and one ear. Come on, somebody. (laughs) And actually, if we begin to do these, you know what? We're open. We're open for reconciliation. We're open. We may never get it. We may not go seeking it because I don't want to be abused anymore. But we're actually open to it. It's a possibility now. And so, okay, end of sermon, right? I got two minutes left. That's the end of the sermon. Okay, everybody, out. go out and do it. Best of luck. Hope you can do it on Monday morning. See you later, right? <laughs> You're like, don't do that to me. All right, we need help. We can't do this. That's why, Jesus, have faith in God. How do we do this? How do we get it? Forgiveness, how, how do we get it? Jesus ends with something. He tells a parable. I'm just going to breeze through it real quick. He tells a parable because when they say increase our faith, he said, if you could do it. He said, one of you is a servant, plowing, looking after the, feet of the sheep. Will he say to the servant, this is right after this in Luke, when he comes in from the field, come along now, sit down to eat. No, won't the owner rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink, right? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you've done everything that I have told you to do, Jesus is saying in this parable, should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. That's another hard saying. What's going on here? What Jesus is saying is, you've forgotten who you are. When you are sitting in the judgment seat, when you are seeking vengeance, when you think you know what's best for the other person, you have forgotten who you are. Jesus is saying, remember who you are. You're a servant that's acting like the owner. But you have an owner. You you have one who owns the cattle on the hills and the hills too. You have one who owns the stars and the heavens. You have one who has created you in God's own image. You were manufactured in a factory in the heavens. And you're acting now not like you're a servant. And you're acting like an owner. And so Jesus says to them, he says, only if you remember who you are and only if you can remember who I am, can you do this? Because you're a servant acting like an owner. I want you to remember, though, that you have an owner that came to be a servant. Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And only when you know that, only when you can remember who I am, 
that, you, that the owner who became a servant, the owner that came to earth, and we owed a huge debt, and he paid it. And he came and settled that, right? That's why on the cross, when Jesus cried out, it is finished, the Greek word is the word tetelestai, which means literally, I paid it. When I was in business, you know, we always would write the checks. The business owner had to write the checks. So it was always my job to write the checks. And I had a little stamp that just said paid, paid, paid. I would stamp all the invoices with when we mailed the checks. Do you know on the cross, Jesus was looking at me and looking at you and going paid, 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 paid. I'll absorb the debt. I'll take it for them. I want reconciliation. I want my world to be whole. I don't care what yellow, red, green, or blue problems they have. That just means they have their different temperaments, means they sin in different ways. But I'm going to pay for that. And I'm going to go to the cross for that. In fact, when we can take hold of that. That's why Jesus, let me close with this, when he said, have faith in God. I was talking with Pastor Steve. He's preaching at South Euclid today. And he showed me some translations that have faith in God is really not a good translation of the Greek. Look what it says. Better translation, have God's faith. <laughs> have the kind of trust that comes from God. And here's my favorite one. Take hold of God's faithfulness. Jesus is saying, take hold of what I've done for you. And then you can, the work of forgiveness, you can do the hard work with others. I remember um, when I was in New Jersey, there was a man, uh, just a sweet, sweet man who I love very much, and his wife had Alzheimer's. She was in the late stages of it, and he, had, he did everything to take care of his wife. Um, and it got so bad that some of even his peers in the church were saying, you know, you need to put her in assisted living, you got you know, memory care, we got to do this and that, and he wouldn't hear anything of it. And I remember we were over there one day, and one of his dear friends says, look, I know this hurts for you to hear, but she doesn't even know who you are. And he said, yeah, but I know who she is. And he said, you know what? He said, in a weird way, I'm almost glad this happened. He said, because all of our married life, she took care of me. He said, she was more, people don't know this, she was more educated than I was, but she was willing to sacrifice that to support me. And he said, all my life this, he said, I'm almost glad that I now have this opportunity to serve her. And I got to thinking, you know what he did? He put his little story at that moment of the life into the big story of their whole life together. That's what Jesus is inviting us to do. Put your little hurt into the big story of my hurt. And what I've done for you, let me close with this by saying, the only way for you to get over being a servant, acting like being an owner, is to see the beauty of the ultimate owner becoming a servant for you. You will never be able to do the hard work of paying others' debts unless you see him infinitely suffering to pay yours. And if you do know who you are, Jesus said, and know who I am, even a mustard seed, even if you know what I did for you a little bit, you have all the power you need to move mountains of hate and to tear up trees of bitterness. That's a hard saying. Go and learn what that means. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord God, Holy Spirit, come like a salve, come like deep medicine. Minister to our hearts. Help us to do some introspection, Lord. Help us to look inside 
to find out where we're really still angry, where we're really still hurt, where we haven't resolved things. And help us to use your Holy Spirit to press down in those weeds and clean them up so that we do not become distorted, so that we don't walk the halls of past experience, but that we can move forward and follow you. If we just have a little bit of that faith, Lord, a little bit of the sense of the debt you paid and what you did for us, maybe, just maybe, we can move mountains in our hearts and tear up trees and roots in our soul and walk as forgiven people who can forgive others as we have been forgiven in you. Help us, Lord. We need it. Increase our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the temptation. We've come in our colors today, and I think I forgive you for the way you maligned the blues. I do forgive you. But, and we celebrate that. But this is just the beginning. So the, the temptation would be like, we've done that. We've heard the hard sayings of Jesus. We're living with them. We're reflecting on them. But it's really just begun. And our understanding of the temperaments, it's really just begun. Now we have to go live it. Now we have to let it go down deep in us and, and let those deep things heal and, and do the hard work that we're called to do. We can only do it how? By the power of God. So this week, how might you see your story as part of the big story? How might you remember who you are, who I am, but remember who he is? Because he's calling us to live in that, not a shadow, but in that power. So what are we going to do? We're going to go out and keep on trying, keep on living, and allow God's power to work through us in this beautiful, colorful creation that he has made, which is all of you. See you next time. Amen.
the world a better place. Take a look at yourself in the 